What's up? It's Jonathan Hood. Thanks for listening to the Under the Hood podcast brought to you by Miller Lite, the presenting sponsor of the 2020 ESPN 1000 Virtual Fantasy Football Championship. Find out how you can be a part of it at ESPNFFC.com. It's ESPNFFC.com. From State Street and the First Midwest Bank Studio, this is WMVP Chicago, ESPN 1000. Chicago's home for sports. It's Under the Hood. Follow us on the ground at IGJHood and at ESPN underscore Chicago. This is Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000. up and welcome in under the hood with jonathan hood weeknights at seven right here on espn 1000 and the espn chicago app 312-332-ESPN, 332-3776 is our phone number hope that you had a great tuesday hope that you have a great tuesday night as we keep you company here oh, i tell you what now yesterday we had just a baseball show and of course we aired the white Sox game so we did not have under the hood we have so many things we wanted to get to we'll try to get to some of it from the weekend and some of the stuff from yesterday and today and try to put it all together we're going to hear from nick friedel who covers the nba he's outside the bubble in orlando so we'll talk to Nick coming up at 7.30 here on ESPN 1000. Of course, we're going to give you summer of football in an hour from now. We always give you um, great football content. Could be college, could be pro, could be something else. But we're going to give you football content with summer of football every night at 8 o'clock right here on ESPN 1000. I, I don't know about you, but since we got here into the month of August, it has been really cool to be able to watch live sports again. And even though it's not the live sports that you and I are used to as far as fans in the stands and everything being quote-unquote normal, the, it was just a pleasure yesterday after our baseball show, our abbreviated baseball show, to go into the Hood Cave and watch the Cubs and the White Sox and watching the NBA. Then afterwards, after one of the baseball games is over, to put on the Hawks and watching the Hawks against Edmonton in game two of their series. Um, it just it has been really cool to have some kind of normalcy. I don't know how you feel, but I know how I feel. And that is that it is good to be able to have sports, even though it does not feel the same. But at least it's players that we know. We know it's live sports, and it, it's very interesting to watch. Um, and so I, I had a ball with it yesterday. So... From my standpoint, when I look at baseball, and we've been doing this baseball show since July, and we're, I'm having a good time with it because normally on Under the Hood, we would always be talking about baseball anyway. So the baseball show is just a show that has been built after Wall and Sylvie for you and I to be able to talk about the Cubs and Sox, and we've got the Twitter page going. So that's that's always cool. We were going to talk baseball anyway, but now we have an official baseball show, which is great. But this is not what I anticipated when I started hosting the baseball show or talking baseball in general on the program. We did not anticipate that Rob Manfred, the commissioner of baseball, would be so unpopular that Gary Bettman looks like Adam Silver. Rob Manfred makes Gary Bettman look like Adam Silver in this during this pandemic of sports. And that's saying a lot. That's a mouthful. Because 
for so many of us that still love the game, and I understand it does not skew as young as it used to be uh, in that 25 to 54, I'm probably talking to the 50 and above the 40 and above as Gen X, as a Gen Xer grew up loving baseball, grew up playing baseball. It's the only sport that I played in high school baseball. It was it because that's the game that I grew up watching and enjoying. But here we are in 2020, and it is just inexplicable how baseball is just running itself by the seat of its pants. It's just weird. I was reading a story from Ken Rosenthal from TheAthletic.com, and he was quoting what Rob Manfred said last week. We are playing, Manfred said. The players need to be better. But I am not a quitter in general, and there is no reason to quit now. We have had to be fluid, but it is manageable. And as Rosenthal said, you mean the players need to be better. Had Manfred said, we all need to be better, no one would have disagreed. But Manfred actually got it right in a separate interview with Associated Press in the same day, saying, we've had some problems in order to be better. It's another series of little things. I think it's peer pressure. I think it's players taking personal responsibility. Um, I think it's the union helping us like Tony Clark helped us yesterday. I think it's us managing more aggressively. Now, that's a much better quote than saying the players need to do better. What commissioner says that during a pandemic? So the leader of the entire league, the entire sport says that, well, you know, these players with this whole COVID-19, it's really on them. You know, Giancarlo Stanton, that didn't say a lot from the Yankees. It didn't say a lot, but he said this. He said, everyone could do better. The Cubs respected John Lester said, we, not only the players, but families are making sacrifices day in and day out. And Trevor Bauer of the Reds said, uh, without naming Manfred directly, uh, he said this, playbook, colon, one, take no risk yourself, two, blame everything on the players, three, protect TV revenue at all costs, four, repeat. <laughs> not just the players, everyone should do better, including baseball, who, again, flying by the seat of their pants, saying, well, here's what we're going to do. I mean, we need to get back on the field as soon as possible. And so the player said, just name when and where, right? Just when and where, and we'll be there. And so it was late July when the players and the, the owners came together to start baseball throughout this pandemic. Great. At the same time, they have testing, but no real plan. Major League Baseball expects for players to do the right thing. You would think baseball players would do the right thing. But baseball players are a microcosm of society. All athletes are a microcosm of society because they're just like you and me, except they're the one percenters. They do things in sports that you and I cannot do. And so you expect for ball players to take their ass home and make sure that they are washing their hands and make sure that they get away from the pandemic as much as possible, keeping themselves safe. And all of a sudden there's a, a, a an outbreak with the Marlins. There's an issue with the Cardinals. And now you have all these postponements. You can't even get a full slate of games, major league baseball because 
players want to do their own thing, and Major League Baseball just coming up with stuff off the top of their heads. Oh, let's do this. Uh, you know, we've got to make sure that we put these players in 14-day quarantine, and let's have the a doubleheader but just play seven innings, and we're going to have baseball in a bubble in the postseason. They're like, they have no idea. There's no real plan. Funny, the NFL and Major League Baseball are the same in that regard. There's no real plan. What's the plan? Jonathan Hood with Under the Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. At this time, 11 Marlins players and two coaches tested positive. The number of infected players would reach 18. The Cardinals with 13 positive tests. Seven players, six staff are the latest team to suffer an outbreak. So you got two teams of an outbreak. And this is the same... Rob Manfred that told Tom Verducci, well, if we have several outbreaks, we'll have to shut down the league. It's not happening. You said you would shut down the league. You have two teams. We're not even through three weeks of the season. And you have two outbreaks with COVID-19. I said it from the beginning. You can go back to the archives of the Under the Hood podcast and hear what I said about this. You have to care about the athlete first. I know the bottom line is so important. You got to make sure you get your money. You got to take care of your chicken. You got to get your money. But what's more important is the safety of the players. If there's no players, there's no game. So that's my opinion. But let me tell you something. I love baseball, but I don't love baseball like Tim Kirchin loves baseball. You've seen Tim Kirchin do color analysis on these ESPN games and was part of baseball tonight for a long time. Then... It pops up on shows here on ESPN 1000. Tim Kirchin loves the game. Listen to what Tim says about the commissioner. I know uh, several players that I talked to were at best confused by what the commissioner said because clearly the players are ones in peril right now, not to mention everyone who's at the ballpark every day. It's not just the players. We understand that, but... Uh, it became more about the commissioner. I'm not a quitter. I mean, I'm not sure exactly where that came from and what he was trying to say. I know he was trying to say, we're going to try to bring this game through, which is great, but this can't be about him. It has to be the players and the people on the front line, the people who are actually risking things by going out and playing. So I I think it should have been more about the game and less about himself, and that's what confused me a little bit also. Can I tell you something, just between you and I? When you've lost Tim Kirchin, it says it all. That guy loves baseball. He hardly breaks bad on anybody, and it wasn't like necessarily a huge negative comment, but to hear Tim Kirchin say that about Rob Manfred, that's a lot. Maybe it's just a soundbite to you, but it's a lot for Tim to say that. How about Buster Olney? Someone else who loves baseball has been covering it forever for ESPN. The players were furious because as part of his statement to our Carl Ravage, he mentioned the players have to do better. 
And that really angered the players. They felt like he was finger-pointing. John Lester of the Cubs, for example, responded, paraphrasing here, saying, hey, we're the ones who are taking the risk. But this is at the end of a week of finger-pointing from both sides. We had tweets from David Price, from Anthony Rizzo, calling into question parts of the the health and safety protocol and whether safety uh, was a priority. I can tell you behind the scenes, Major League Baseball Player Association, conversations all the time, they're working together. But this undercurrent of distrust and suspicion has been there all throughout this process, so different than the NBA and the NH. Oh, indeed. Indeed. Very different from the NBA and the, and the National Hockey League. I've been watching both of those sports, and they seem very fu- cozy and fine in their bubble situation where they've got everything that they need right there in those bubbles. And... We talked to Chris Black about it. He said it first on Cap and Company. He came on the baseball show, said the same thing. He says there could have been a bubble plan for Major League Baseball. Now, it's not the same thing where it's like a bubble where there's a hotel and a field in the same spot, but there's a way to be able to keep players safe, and players are just going home and punching the clock like it's 2019. That's not where we are today. Jesse Rogers spoke about this on Wild and Sylvie about the relationship between players and Manfred. It's bad. It's bad. I mean, some players, you know, quietly uh, sort of agree with him. But the way he says it, you know, it's just the way he says it. But the the majority don't like him, even if they do agree with him. You know, so, yeah, John Lester again came out. um, You know, it's just the way he says things. I'm not a quitter. What are you inferring that the the rest of the guys are? You know, like, it's just the the, the rhetoric, in my words. And what is he risking, too, Jesse? I mean, what do you mean? he's You know, he's not putting his body on the line like the players are every day. Yeah, exactly. And and I, I do think he needed to say something, but you, it's the way you say it. Like, look, guys, I know you're doing the best you can. Not not to them, but to the teams. I know you guys are doing the best you can. We need to lock it down even further. This virus is more contagious than we've ever thought. Um, the incubation period, I think, is causing havoc. That's something no one's really talking about. The, look at the Marlins. They're a, they're a great test case for this whole thing. They had positive tests every single day for a week and remember every day that a guy you know within that period there were guys testing negative and then positive negative and then positive so that incubation period is really wreaking havoc i think baseball is learning everything you know learning new things every day uh, about the spread of this thing i think they've handled the cardinals a little bit better than they did the marlins yet they're still going to miss a week so I, I just think it's the way Manfred said it instead of his words. He needs to continue to remind them to be diligent, but it, it's how you say it that makes the difference. Yeah. Tone deaf. The commissioner of baseball's tone deaf. I'm just shaking my head. Oh, the hood nation. I am shaking my head because I is just uh, disappointing. The lineage, the long tradition of major league baseball and the relationship between players and owners and the commissioner should be a lot better. Silver has a better, has a better relationship with his players than Manfred does. There's a deeper divide. It's more than just Manfred's for the owners. So he takes their mentality. No, he's just on his own as this lone wolf saying, yeah, you know, the, the players just have to be better. Everybody's gotta be better, including major league baseball. Coming up next, if you think that that is a tire fire, as much as I love college football, I'm wondering about college football in its future and how coaches are handling it. Nick Friedel at 730 Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. 
Talk to him about the NBA coming up at 7.30 here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. Follow me on Twitter, Twitter.com, TweetJHood, Instagram, IGJHood. Glad to have you in today. Boy, you think baseball is an issue. What about college football? I don't like college football. I'm a Bears fan. Listen to the story. This will be interesting to you. Washington State Athletic Director Pat Chun, according to Adam Rittenberg from ESPN.com, said wide receiver Cassidy Woods' removal from the team activity stemmed from Woods deciding to opt out of the season for health concerns rather than his involvement with the Pac-12 player unity movement. Have you heard about this? The player unity movement from the Pac-12. Chun told ESPN that Woods sent him a text message on Saturday starting his uh, stating his decision to opt out because of health concerns related to coronavirus and its pandemic. Chun says uh, his health and safety is our number one priority for an athletic director. Um, for an athletic director, everything else after that is a moot point. I'm not talking. I'm not talking you out of it. At that point, it goes 100. percent We support and honor your decision. We respect your decision. So, looking across the landscape for young players in college football, some of them are opting out uh, of the college football season because of COVID-19. They don't want to play. But there also is a Pac-12 unity group, and it has got a lot to it. And I I thought the reason why I want to bring this up is because this is something that is really new to college athletics, where college players are coming together for one common cause. Listen, you know how college sports goes normally, right? A kid is got a scholarship, or he's a walk-on, or he's part of the team, and whatever the coach says, whatever the athletic director says, it goes because ultimately you're there to learn. However, there is a, a hashtag "We Are United" campaign that's out there by Pac-12 players, and in a letter to Larry Scott, the commissioner of the Pac-12, uh, it is it talks about how players are concerned about player safety. They're also concerned about um, how they are treated, especially African-American players. As it says here, there's four sections, the student athlete health and safety, COVID-19, social justice, and anti-racism, the NIL slash economic opportunity, student athlete health and well-being to provide additional background information that's all part of something that was written by Pac-12 players. They're talking about anti-racism. They're talking about COVID-19, social justice. And so this is different and it's new. It's different because players normally don't do these things. Play, players usually are just there to play the game. Hopefully they can get to the next level and that's the whole thing. But I just wanted to just highlight just for a moment the empowerment of players in 2020. Sure, we're seeing this on the NBA level with Black Lives Matter. We're seeing this somewhat in the NHL. We're seeing this with Major League Baseball in some places. But in college, 
where it's one thing to say, I'm going to opt out because of COVID-19. It's another for an entire group in that conference to have laid out everything to athletic directors and to Larry Scott saying, this is what we want as players. The player empowerment in college, that's new. <laughs> I mean, it's one thing for one star player to have player empowerment and saying, hey, you know, I want to get the ball or, hey, I want to get me to the league and all that kind of stuff. But when you have a collective, when you have a number of players coming together, like the Pac-12 and saying, hey, you know, I want this for my team. That's crazy. I mean, for, for our group, that's something. The player empowerment is something that I did not expect in 2020 on so many different levels, but this is happening in the Pac-12, and that's something new I want to tell you about. Because I, when I first saw this over the weekend, I thought, okay, what is the We Are United campaign? Then you read through it, and the outline of what the uh, the current conditions that uh, players are talking about, the the systematic. Racial injustices imposed by the NCAA sports as uh, that exploits black athletes physically, academically, and, fin- and financially. All that is part of what's been written here. And I'm like, wow. Wow. I can say nothing really surprises me in sports anymore, but I did not expect for a group of players to come together um, in this We Are United campaign. That's a hashtag that is on Twitter. Um, and so along with this, speaking of college sports, so... For those of you that know me, you know I'm a huge college football fan. We have a college football show I do with with uh, Bleck and Abdallah every Saturday uh, during the college football season. And I don't know if we're going to have a college football show if there's no <laughs> if there's no season. And I don't know what that looks like. See, it's one thing to see what's happening with baseball and these other sports with no fans. I don't know what that looks like for for college football. And I don't know if it's going to start for the power five across the board at the time that they want. But one thing for sure is that schools that are asking these quote unquote student athletes to play, man, I mean, again, just like the other sports, these young people are incurring the risk by playing during COVID-19. I don't know how you can get away from COVID-19 when you are bleeding and sweating and paying the price as a, as a football player on the, on the gridiron. It is a contact sport. <laughs> I don't know how that works. I really don't. Jay Billis, with his thoughts, he says that what schools are asking for athletes is immoral. I think we're going to see more of this, not less. It's funny. People don't seem to have a problem with the amount of money generated by this industry or the amount of money that coaches make or administrators, and you mentioned assistant coaches, all this stuff. But, boy, if the players uh, say, oh, wait wait a minute, why can't we participate? Why can't we have the right to, uh, to bargain just like everybody else and, and to, to be a part of this business beyond a scholarship? Uh, people rail against it. it. It's really an interesting, interesting issue. And they say things they say with regard to no other person. Uh, you know, nobody ever says, well, hey, I'd, I'd trade places with Tiger Woods tomorrow, so therefore he should make less. You know, they, we, we don't say that. Uh, we only say it with regard to college athletes. And it's usually college basketball and football players. Uh, we don't worry about Katie Ledecky making money or Missy, Missy Franklin making money in the pool and then becoming college athletes. We only worry about it with regard to football and basketball. 
Jay Billis with his thoughts about uh, athletes and asking what they're asking of athletes is immoral. That's his thoughts. Um, one other thing, but Gary Patterson, the TCU coach, I suppose he's going to keep his job, even though I saw this in several places, including the New York Post. TCU players revolt after Coach Patterson allegedly uses a racial slur. So a TCU football player alleges on social media that Gary Patterson used the N-word Sunday, Sunday, just the other day, and it prompted multiple players to skip Tuesday's practice in protest. Redshirt freshman linebacker Dylan Jordan claims on his Twitter account a conversation over uh, appropriateness of Jordan posting a photo of his girlfriend to Twitter escalated into a dispute during which Patterson called him an effing brat and use a racial slur. But other TCU players say Jordan's initial post misrepresented what really happened. <sighs> Jordan says that he replied to being called a brat by saying, for what? I didn't do anything. Um, and Patterson said, uh, you've been saying N-word uh, in the meeting room. So that Patterson says the N-word, and of course, he had to apologize. I saw this earlier. I met with our seniors and our leadership council last night about how we move forward as a team together. We are committed as individuals, as a program to fighting racial justice of any kind. I apologize for the use of the word in any context. It's unacceptable. I have always encouraged our players to do better and be better, and I must live by the same standards. So, um, as Patterson says, I wasn't calling him the N word by way of explanation. Uh, <laughs> uh, it, it's just, uh, he, um, Patterson says he, it was out of context. Point is that I don't even know why Patterson would, would say that. Why? I mean, unless he was just comfortable with the word, you got to pull up short, whether it's 1972 or 2020, you got to pull up short. If you're Gary Patterson, right? Do you, I mean, if someone else is saying it, do you just say the word just because you're comfortable with it? I mean, this he's not gonna, it looks like he's going to keep his job, which is fine. But just the the idea that Gary Patterson used the N-word on Sunday to try to explain it and says that I said the N-word, but it was out of context. Well, there is no context for anyone to use it, including Gary Patterson. It's craziness. All right, coming up, we will hear from Nick Friedel. We'll hear from him. He's outside the bubble in Orlando. He'll give us an, uh, an idea of what's going on with the NBA season inside the bubble. He'll give us some insight there coming up on Under the Hood. This is Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Hi, everybody. On ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. Let me tell you about DraftKings. I've been really enjoying sports with the NHL and the NBA and I've been enjoying Major League Baseball but I've been enjoying it while I have DraftKings on my on my iPhone so we're all excited to see what week two of the basketball restart has in store for all of us and if that's not enough excitement for you DraftKings the leader in one day fantasy sports is offering you a shot at a share of millions of dollars every day this week. If you haven't tried it yet, fantasy basketball is easy to play. You just pick eight players, stay under the salary cap, and pile up points for three-pointers, rebounds, assists, and more. There's no better way to put your basketball knowledge to the test than to compete for a share of millions of dollars. But if basketball is not for you, don't worry. DraftKings is offering plenty of fantasy golf action for this week's major. Get in all the action before the golfers tee off on Thursday for a shot at 
a $1 million top prize. With millions of dollars up for grabs this week, there's no better place to have skin in the game than with DraftKings. So here's my advice. I want you to download the DraftKings app now and use the promo code WMVP. That's us. Use the promo code WMVP once you have downloaded the DraftKings app to get a shot at millions of dollars in prizes every day this week. That's the promo code WMVP to get a shot at millions of dollars in prizes every day this week. It's only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Nick is next. Chicago's home for sports. Stream ESPN 1000 easily on the all-new ESPN Chicago app. You're listening to Under the Hood on ESPN 1000. The NBA has been so much fun to watch. Uh, I am a kid in a candy store. It's like watching the NCAA tournament. Every day we're watching basketball from day to night. Uh, Nick Friedel covers the NBA for ESPN.com, and my friend joins me here on ESPN 1000. Hello, Nick. My man, it's great to be with you. Oh, how much fun is this? I mean, day and night, it does remind me of March Madness where I could turn on a game in the afternoon and not turn off until late night. You're getting four or five games in a day, and it looks fresh. It looks really good. And after a slow start in those first few games, Hoodie, uh, last week, to see the quality of play throughout most of these games right now is not only a great sign for you and I as fans, it's a great time for the league. Because I think that was one of the biggest concerns the NBA had was, hey, we don't know how <laughs> how great all these games are going to be. Mm-hmm. And they've started, they've been fairly competitive, and you just really like the way that it is gearing up, knowing that those playoff games in this setting with what will be on the line are going to be really intense and should be very fun to watch. When you started first watching these games, Nick, uh, and watching what Adam Silver and the NBA put together as far as the fan involvement with the Microsoft virtual fans and just the layout of the court and everything, what what stood out the most about everything they put into it? That they made it happen at all. I mean, Hoda, you and I have been covering the league for years and years at this point. Mm-hmm. I am I am proud of the way that Adam Silver and Michelle Roberts came together, and the players as well. But but the fact that this is happening at all is a great great thing, and they they both deserve just a huge amount of credit for making it happen given the circumstances in the country and in the world right now. Because there are so many reasons why. This shouldn't be happening. Uh, And for everybody to be able to turn on the TV or to flip on the game on the radio and to see that this thing is up and running, and most importantly, that everyone is safe and healthy, that is just a great, great thing. So there are any number of different small victories every night for the league. I mean, you look up, you see the fans on the screen, you see the camera angles, you hear the refs talking, which I've never really heard before. I think that's a a great small addition, but the fact that it's happening at all is a fantastic thing for everybody because so many of us need 
a, a reason to to think of anything other than what's happening uh, all over the place right now. And basketball is providing that diversion and the entertainment that goes with it. Nick Friedel covers the NBA. For ESPN.com, he joins me, Jonathan Hood, on Under the Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. The hottest team in the NBA right now is the Toronto Raptors. Um, No surprise, right? Even without Kawhi, they're looking good. Watch their game from start to finish against the Lakers and the Heat. That's not easy, Nick. We're talking about two strong teams. Lakers could win the West. Heat are a strong contender in the East. What stands out most about the the Raptors? And do you have that feeling that, hey, maybe they could take the East again? I do. Cody, I do. For ESPN.com, they made us put out predictions prior to the bubble finally starting. And I had watched the Raptors going into when the season stopped. And, of course, I had seen them up close and personal in the finals last year, having covering... Uh, covered the Warriors, and I'm I'm watching them going, my gosh, this team plays hard. And there is no question Kawhi made the difference last year, and he's the reason why in so many ways that that team was able to finally elevate to a different place. But when you watch him this season, and and you nailed it, you watch him in these first couple of games in the bubble, you go, damn, this team's for real. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I don't see another team in the East – not only playing that hard, which is always crucial, but they've got guys on that team, that Toronto team, Kyle Lowry, Siakam, uh, OG Ananobi has come out and really played well, but they play with no fear. And when you're playing in the biggest of games and you're playing on what should be a really intense intense stage uh, over these next couple months, those are the type of players that you want. And so two games in the bubble – shouldn't make a gigantic difference because any number of different things can happen uh, over the course of the next couple months. But Toronto in the East, to me, as we sit here right now, they're the favorite. Uh, I mean, I know Milwaukee has played great, and they have Giannis, uh, but you know me. I've just never believed that that team could get all the way there, the way they've been constructed. I do think Toronto can get to the finals, and if they get the right matchup, Uh, I think they can win it because they have such a chip on their shoulder because people have almost seemingly forgotten that they won last year because Kawhi left and they're trying to prove that they're still that good. Nick, when you have a team that is a real contender for the championship, not just a, a nice playoff team or a nice regular season team, when you have a team that seriously contends, you're looking at multiple weapons offensively. And when I watch Milwaukee... Man, it, I mean, who who doesn't like Giannis Antetokounmpo? But his supporting cast is just not strong enough. It's just it's just not up the snuff. When I'm watching Toronto, there are multiple weapons that Toronto can go to at any time. Seasoned veterans that have been there and young players that are on the way. I just the thing that lacks with uh, Milwaukee is not Giannis. That's not the issue. My issue is is that. You have to do better than Chris Middleton in order for you to be a serious contender against any team uh, in the West. Uh, I mean, who wouldn't want a young player like Siakam, uh, a newbie, 
uh, having uh, Gasol, a, a veteran that was with Memphis with this Raptors team, Kyle Lowry, who's put into another gear, Van Vliet, uh, up and down the line, Norman Powell defensively, Ibaka, Hollis Jefferson. There's, I mean, that's, there's quality players on that Raptors team, but I don't see that same quality with Milwaukee. They're good players, but not difference-making players for Giannis, I don't think. Hoodie, I agree with you completely, and it's a conversation that you and I have had over the last few years with this Milwaukee group. I, I think your your point is extremely well taken, and the name that jumps off the page to me is Fred Van Vliet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know a lot of people listening to us uh, around uh, the Chicagoland area are familiar with him, uh, but in general, Van Vliet, out of seemingly nowhere... He was in the the G League for a little bit. He comes in the league. He has a a really really nice playoffs. But like, let's take yesterday. He's playing against a tough defensive minded team in the Heat, and he's knocking down shots from all over the place. Mm-hmm. And and you're listening to Bam Adebayo and these Heat players. They're going, yeah, that's just his game. And this speaks directly to your point and the difference between Toronto and Milwaukee right now. When you look at Toronto's roster, you see guys that not only won a title last year, but you see guys that you trust in big spots. And the biggest flaw I've seen not only with Milwaukee now, but in the, over the last three, four years, Giannis is incredible. Giannis is going to win the MVP for the second year in a row. He's awesome. I really like Chris Middleton. I don't know if he's the second star on a title team, but he's a damn good player. After that, I just don't know where you go on that team. I, mean, I, I love Kyle Korver. He can hit big shots, sure. but is he going to do it game after game? The Lopez brothers are really solid players, uh, but are, are they going to make that difference night after night after night? Uh, Eric Bledsoe, I have never been high on. I watched him closely uh, in those last couple years when I was around the Bucks more. I just don't believe that he is the type of point guard that's going to lead you to a championship. So where else is that firepower going to come from when a team like Toronto puts a good defensive plan in place to at least slow down Giannis? And that is the single biggest question that faces Milwaukee now and moving forward. In the Western Conference with the Lakers, there's there's some good and and there's some things I question about the team. Listen, you, they're, they're going to be missing Avery Bradley. I, I like the Lakers, but I, I but. Here's what you look at. It's a positive, actually, that there was time off for LeBron to kind of just get himself back into, you know, to to rest a little bit and then to get himself back in basketball shape to make to make him a vital part of that Lakers team. Same thing with with Davis. But once again, I'm looking for. Um, someone else to be able to step up for this Lakers team as well for them to solidify themselves as the best team uh, in the Western Conference. I I look at their roster versus the Clippers and it's just not the same. Like you're not looking for like the McGee's and Cardwell Pulps to make big shots at the end of games. Uh, is that Kuzma? Is that is that's not Dwight Howard? Is that Deion Waiters? That that's I think there's more question marks than answers for the Lakers outside of James and Davis. I agree with you wholeheartedly. It was always the reason why I was never all the way sold on the Lakers this season. I didn't think they could gel as quickly as they have. And, Hoodie, it's a credit to them that they have. But ultimately, 
you and I both know, especially go back in time with the, those great Bulls teams with Derek and Joe Keem and Tibbs. Mm-hmm. You can win your conference. That's great. You can be the number one seed. There's respect that comes with that. Ultimately, what do you remember? You remember whether they won the title or not. Uh, and if the Lakers are going to win it, they need just gigantic performances night after night after night from LeBron and Anthony Davis. And the answer to your question uh, revolving around who else steps up, uh, you know, there are, there are some guys like Danny Green, Kuzma, uh, Caruso can have a nice night here or there, but that's the issue. Uh, those guys, Danny Green's had some moments in the postseason, but when you look at the totality of that Lakers roster, there are a lot of questions. And it's great. And LeBron has been fantastic this season. So is Anthony Davis. As great as those guys are, their greatness can't wipe away all those other questions on that team. And that's why always, even when the Lakers were rolling uh, over those last few weeks there before the stoppage, I always thought if the Clippers got healthy, they were going to win because I just feel like they're a little bit deeper from top to bottom. And it remains to be seen how it's going to shake out. But when you look at those two rosters, and we haven't even mentioned the, the Rockets, who have really had a nice start in the bubble. Yeah. But when you look at the Clippers roster and the Lakers roster, the Clippers roster has a lot more answers uh, than the Lakers one does. And, and I think that will ultimately make the difference in the end. So speaking of the Rockets, as we talked to Nick Friedel about the NBA, with Jonathan Hood on Under the Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app, as we talk about the, the Rockets, they're going to play coming up uh, at the top at 8 o'clock here. So, <laughs> so is it my eyes or am I – Am I am I going to buy into the Rockets? Because that's not what I thought. That's not what I thought in the regular season. But it's funny what a pandemic does. All of a sudden, I got a new set of eyes for the Rockets because these these last couple of games, you beat the best team in the East in the Bucks, right? And then you outscore the Mavericks in one of these classic ABA games or those early Stern era games where you know. And smoke-filled armories and drugs in the air, uh, 153-149. So, but but I, I tell you when... I, I, Doug Moe! <laughs> the old Doug Moe games from the Denver Nuggets. <laughs> you know, pull out the, pull out the uh, Santa belt slacks and the white belt, the checkered jacket. My God, we're going to smoke it up and score 153 points <laughs> with no one watching. Uh, so, so, uh, uh, so I got to ask you about this Rockets team. Is it my TV or should I be buying in? Because remember, this is Captain Small Ball, but they look good, Harden and, and Westbrook. They look really good, Hoodie. But right now, I still view the Rockets as basketball's answer to beer goggles. Oh, I, I, I do. I've got to be honest. I. I I think that they have a chance. They have a chance. And I think that chance is larger than I would have thought going into the bubble because I just don't know how many different teams can play that style that they can and in a series do it night after night after night. It would not surprise me if the Rockets pulled off an upset and we're able to beat, the, let's say, the Lakers. Because I, I just don't think that's a great matchup 
for LeBron and AD because all that team is going to want to do is race up and down the floor. Mm -hmm. But the question, as always, and this is another thing that we've gone through year after year after year, could the Rockets make some noise? Can they, can they win a series or two? Maybe even potentially get all the way through the West? I, I think there's a chance, but do I really believe that they can get through the West and then knock off whichever team comes out of the East? No. I just don't think that that style of play is conducive to beating all these other teams and getting all the way through to a title. So they're interesting. They're going to be a lot of fun to watch. But in the end, I'm not buying the Rockets as a true title contender. Man, they look good, though. In in this they bubble, do. man, they look good. So here's what's funny. So in the NBA, is so smart because they put it together a lot of matchups that you'd be intrigued by if it was the finals or in a playoff scenario. So just putting the Rockets and Bucks together was just is an interesting look because it's Milwaukee is supposed to be the best team in the Eastern Conference against a Rockets team that's in an experiment in this game. The the Bucks out rebounded the the Rockets sixty five to thirty six. <laughs> okay, it's, but, it's incredible. Even when you say it again a few days later, <laughs> yeah. And, but yet the Rockets won by four. Um, <laughs> if PJ Tucker could hit an open three. I mean, I mean, he I mean, won by fourteen. He was three for twelve from three. So as we tell you that that stat of sixty five thirty six differential in the rebounding category, don't forget also that the Rockets put up. Uh, 61 three-point shots, 21 for 61 at a 34% clip. It's still one by four. That, that, is, hey, that is Nate Robert, Robinson's uh, like fever dream. <laughs> wow. <laughs> like, up and down the floor and chuck up threes all day. Wow. 61 <laughs> three-point shots and one by four. That's just tremendous. <laughs> I, that's tremendous. And it's an experiment, though. But see, that's the thing. Like it, the NBA should not look ordinary. Every game should not look the same. And so, with the Rockets, they're trying to do something different than they've done before. Chan- Tyson Chandler's on their bench as their their single big that they don't play because he gets in the way. Right. Um, but that's 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 something, man. Um, I do want to ask you about Zion Williamson too, because in the infinite wisdom of Adam Silver, he's putting these "quote unquote" stars on the floor, even though they're not playoff ready. Uh, that's why Portland's in the pl- in this bubble, and this is why we get players like Zion. There's so much of a spotlight on Zion Williamson. And I really think it's premature. I know that he's, he casts a wide shadow because he's so unique in the league, Nick. I know it's great to probably write about Zion Williamson, but I'm so patient with him because we haven't seen the best of him yet. I know he's impatient. He wants to be able to bust out. He did a little bit the other night. But what, what do you think of Zion now and his future? Because he feels like he should be out there now. And I'm thinking this is all development because the Pelicans aren't going anywhere. Right. I am, I am very, very concerned, Hoodie, and here's why. I, I lived and you lived through Derek's time in Chicago, and when I watched Zion with all that extra weight that is coming down on his knees all the time, I just don't know if he's going to be able to withstand 82 games year after year after year. I, I, I think there are a lot of, of questions as to the durability of, of how those knees are going to hold. And that is why 
you see the Pelicans being so extremely cautious about his minutes, how much he plays, uh, the times that he does play. They don't want to put too much pressure on him, but at the same time, you've got to let him get out there and, and get into the game and make a difference when he can. But I, I just I watched what happened to Derek and and some of that stuff you just can't control. But as I watch Zion, that's all I keep thinking about is. Every time he goes up, I think, oh, man, I, you know, I just hope he's all right because he's just seems like such a really good guy. He'd be great for the league if he can stay healthy uh, and, and play the way he did when he was on the floor. But as I watch what's happened the last couple weeks in the bubble and I see how nervous it seems like the Pelicans are, the, the idea that, uh, you know, you just don't know what's going to happen injury-wise, and, and even if he's got his best interests at heart, uh, that is it's very concerning to me as a fan of the game. Lastly, and I appreciate your time, you got to give me some kind of insight about that bubble. You're the one of the few reporting outside the bubble. You're there, but you're outside the bubble. Can you give us some insight of some stories from inside the bubble that you've heard about? The most interesting thing to me, Hoodie, is it seems like all these teams have <laughs> have a couple people outside the bubble as like runners for uh, for anything that players or staff members might need. Uh, that's the what, what keeps popping up is I've got a, a couple of my really close friends that are down there, and they just say that if you're inside the bubble, that everything is taken care of. But there's kind of this outer ring outside the bubble of any number of different people, of team employees or uh, family and friends or people that are just kind of looking to get close to the action. And I think the NBA has done a really nice job keeping everybody intact if you're in that first tier. But in that second tier, and once families, uh, even more families, start coming down to the Orlando area, it's going to be really interesting to see uh, where that balance comes from because – there are guys that that all want different stuff at, at all times in the night. <laughs> and I think teams are, are going to be very concerned uh-huh. once that, that first round ends and uh, the world starts to open up a little more. Um, What else? What do players need? I thought they need, had everything they needed in the bubble. <laughs> what, what, that's funny. <laughs> I thought they had everything in the bubble. Wait a minute. They're, the, the league has done everything it can to make sure that that's the case, hoodie. But uh, you know, yeah, there's just there's just some things that that would make make the bubble even more of the happiest place on earth. Just leave it there. All right. Well, I thought there was a cigarette machine in there, but I guess it's not. <laughs> so I guess someone bringing a pack of cools in for some of the players. Menthol, of course. That that's that's fine. Uh, I, they, I thought they had everything they needed. Um, well, I guess I was mistaken. That's why you're the reporter and I'm outside of all of this. Oh well, uh, well, thought they had all the food and you know refreshments they would have, but apparently the outer ring is stepping the in. The outer ring, the outer ring is going to be something to watch here in a few weeks, my man. Okay, I promise. Well, whatever it is, it won't be as bad as baseball. Whatever it is. <laughs> Hey, by the time the playoffs start in the bubble with the NBA, I don't even know if baseball is going to still be rolling. So, 
Who knows? Hats off to Silver and hats off to Bettman, which is very rare. Hope so, hope someone's recording me saying that because I wow. I've never said me hats off. They they've done a terrific job, and baseball's on the outside looking in. I'm just telling you, like basketball's done it. Basketball and hockey, you throw the MLS in there as well as much as possible. I've done a great job with all of this so far. Unbelievable. So, well, my friend, as always, I appreciate you calling me from the outer ring, and we uh, will talk again soon. <laughs> I miss you, my man. Is under the hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports.